You're listening to The Homeschool Dropout. I'm your host, Mike Roberts. Let's talk about bridging the gap between homeschool and the professional world. Time for another podcast review shout out. This is from listener, and this is going to be tough, J-K-C-D-E-J-J-R-R-M. You know who you are. This listener said, as a homeschool mom of 20 plus years and still homeschooling my youngest, it's great to hear these homeschool stories and experiences of homeschoolers. I love this review because a central focus of the show is to demonstrate that homeschoolers live really rich and beautiful lives, both while they're homeschooled and after they're homeschooled, and our lives are so different from each other. If you'd like to receive a shout out, head to Apple Podcasts, go to the very bottom and leave a rating and a review. All right, listeners, welcome to episode 21 of the Homeschool Dropout. Appreciate all the support so far. Today, we have another very young homeschooler. I guess I shouldn't say very young. We have an 18-year-old homeschooler who just finished his last year of homeschooling last year, graduated, and is moving into adulthood and his career. And so we have Ezra Wyrick. Am I saying that right, Ezra? You are. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. Really glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me on. Some of your credentials really quick. I think it's fun to brag about young homeschoolers doing great things. You are the chief editor of Mises Magazine, which is a newer project, and we'll give you time to dig into that. And then you're involved with the Liberty Youth Coalition, and then you're very active on Twitter as well. So yeah, this will be an interesting episode. I'm going to share... I try not to share my worldview or values too much on the show and just let guests Mm -hmm. speak, but it turns out Ezra and I have a very similar worldviews and I guess philosophical basis that informs our approach to things. And so we'll get into that towards the end of the episode. But to start, Ezra, tell us about your homeschooling and your experience there. I think you're based out of Tennessee. How did it go for you? It went really well. I would say that it went extremely well, actually. I started, I was a homeschooler from the moment I started school. That would have been kindergarten. That's kindergarten through 12th grade. So I had a very good homeschool experience. I think that the most, the aspect that I liked the most about it was the freedom that it provided me to do my work and to think for myself, especially in the privacy and in an atmosphere in my own home that didn't feel like a prison, you know, like (laughs) many, many public schools tend to do, especially in areas such as where I live, which is a relatively rural, low graduation rate type area where, Mm. frankly, most of the people around here, most of the young men around here, they have about a 50% chance of graduation. And if they graduate, it's either going into factory work or crime. So it provided me with a chance against all odds. Interesting. Why did your parents homeschool? Was it because of those chances, the statistics in your area, or were there other things informing that? There were multiple circumstances surrounding the decision to homeschool. But if I had to choose one, I would say, number one, my parents are very devout Christians. My father is a minister. And I'm sure you can understand that there is that desire to keep me away from worldly influence or things to that nature that come with the high school, especially the high school, but more broadly, the public school experience. Yeah, I think it's especially poignant for, I'm going to say Christian families now, but if we zoom out of that, families whose 
values are not reflected in the public system because the public system, whether we like it or not, does have its own value system, its own values that it promotes. And so whenever a family feels that rift, and often it comes from those deep kind of Judeo-Christian backgrounds, they feel that rift with public education. So they look for other ways to maintain that in the home while getting educated. It sounds like that's what your family did. Yes, exactly. I would say that's an accurate representation. So how did that go? Did you, I don't know, you said you grew up rural. Did you want mm-hmm. to go to school ever? Did you, how did you find friends? What was that experience like? Come on, no one wants to go to school. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I would say compared, compared to the public experience in this area, I had a very good experience with school. There is this, I, I think there is, in some cases, it's a misconception. In some cases, it is unfortunately true hmm. that the homeschool experience tends to make children less sociable. Now, there's an argument to be made that fitting in or fitting into the culture of the times is not necessarily a good thing. I don't believe that homeschooled students are less sociable. I do think, and this is the case particularly with me and my personal experience, that social interaction is certainly less frequent because when you're homeschooling, You're doing it very often. You're very often busy and you don't have time to run around with friends and that kind of thing, because especially in my case, my father works a full-time job and my mother handled most of the homeschooling in the morning and the afternoon. But when the evening came, it was time for my father's classes. So as you can imagine, these are some pretty busy days. They made it work. They made it work very well. And I am extremely grateful for that. I would say, though, that the social interaction was less, especially during the earlier years, because it was just some very busy days and not a lot of time for much of anything else. So let me make sure I'm understanding. Throughout the mornings and the afternoons, you would work with your mom and do your homeschool and chase your education. And then in the Mm -hmm. evenings, your dad would come home and further do schooling with you. Correct. Yes. That is so long. Uh, It is. It is a, well, I mean, school days in general are very long, even in public school. I guess with my case, I had the benefit of having a long several hour break in between classes. So when my mother would finish her classes, there would be a, there would be a period there where there would be a break, and then my father would start his classes. I've never heard this approach before. Do you know if there were any curriculums or philosophies that informed your parents' homeschooling? For example, a lot of people do Waldorf or they do Montessori or Charlotte Mason or something like that. Did you have that or was it just kind of... It was a very Christian-oriented and Christian worldview-oriented curriculum. I do not remember the exact curriculum that it was, but I can tell you that it was a very Christian-oriented curriculum. Okay, understood. That makes sense as far as it lining up with your parents wanting to have that that ability to transmit their values to you, them being Christians, and seeing that the schools weren't reflecting that. And so they brought you home and gave you that rich Christian lens to view the world through. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any regrets about being homeschooled or is it all rose-colored? Is there anything you would change? I do not have any regrets about being homeschooled. The only thing I would say in that vein is that although I developed very well socially, 
obviously now I have developed extremely well socially. And I did grow up and I did get to where I could be more sociable. One of the things, I guess the only thing that I wish was a little bit different is that I had a a little bit more interaction in my earlier years because I feel like it would have uh, it would have probably helped me to grow up quicker but I grew up pretty quick without that so I wouldn't say that's a regret I would say it's more of something that I wish was just a little bit different more of a reflection on now that I have more years under my belt I can look back and see that could have been tweaked a little bit yeah Despite, you know, despite the challenges and the obstacles that, you know, you face as a homeschooled student and that I faced as a homeschool student, I'm proud to say that I was able to graduate high school as a as a first generation high school graduate. And I, I kind of attribute my success to the personalized and individualized education that I received through homeschool and also the strong values and beliefs that were instilled in me by my parents. Wait, you are a first-generation high school graduate. That is correct. That is huge. I'm really thrilled for you. That's a massive generational change that you're impacting in your family. How do you feel about that? It's, um, it's, it's interesting because it almost feels like my children will have something to live up to, I guess. I think that being that is it's very challenging because you do something that other people in your family haven't done. It's kind of like whenever people have high school graduates in their families and then they go to college and they get a degree and their children feel like, well, because my father has a degree or my mother has a degree, I should go pursue my degree. I really feel like that there is a certain element there where your children will look at that kind of thing and they will say, my father did this, therefore I want to do this. And I think that's a positive, especially when it comes to education. I completely agree. And I chuckle because it would almost seem as though my family went the opposite direction. My my so? dad, yeah, yeah. My dad, he graduated in finance in his undergrad and then he went out to law school. So he has his juris doctorate. And most of my siblings have not graduated from high school. Most of them never even went to college. And I think, so I'm one of 10. So there's 10 kids. And wow. Yeah, I think. Big family. Big family. Yeah. Also like very Christian, very strong Christian values growing up. I love that. And I think, let me think real quick. One, two, three, three of us graduated from college, maybe four. Mm-hmm. The rest didn't even go to college. But then, you know, our dad, who is working as a lawyer, he has his juris doctorate, he has much stronger credentials. And so I think it's just a phenomenon of my parents, ironically, did not care about those credentials. And Mm -hmm. so that informed our choices growing up where I I never felt like I had to go get a law degree in order to kind of, I don't know, I I guess I'm actively reflecting on that experience. But I think what you're doing, what you have done in graduating from high school and carving out a new life for you and your future family is Mm -hmm. very, very cool. It's very, you've created a pivot point in your family. True. And I accredit that 100%, not only to the institution of homeschooling, but obviously to my parents, who, although at points it was difficult due to schedule and that sort of thing, they saw it through. And there were a lot of times whenever they could have said, this is too hard. We don't want to do this anymore. We're just going to put you into the public system and you can finish your education that way. But they saw it through and I'm eternally grateful for that. So you never on your own would have asked to go to public school? 
I never on my own would have asked to go to public school, I don't believe. Well, homeschooling was pretty much all I knew, right? I don't think I would have on my own asked to be homeschooled. If I had my way as a five-year-old, I would have not gone to school at all. What were you like in those younger years? I'm trying to get an idea of young Ezra. You're there. You and I talked about you're an only child. Those very young years when you're playful and imaginative, what were those like at home? What was the school like? Very normal. Very normal, actually. I won't say surprisingly so, but, you know, it was a very normal experience as a child. Like, I understood that this schooling was something that I would do, but then I would also have pleasure time. And there was a good balance there. And I don't recall too many instances. I'm sure they existed, but I don't recall too many instances where I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to school. I would rather play with my toys or whatever. I, I enjoyed school because the homeschool experience genuinely made it enjoyable. A lot of my friends hated school. Like yeah. they were, they were completely and totally, I guess, opposed to the idea of going to school because it was just such a negative experience. I was having a positive experience in the meantime. And a lot of my friends were envious of that experience. They were like, if I could do my schooling at home, I really feel like I could succeed a whole lot more than doing it in this atmosphere that honestly feels like being incarcerated. <laughs> yeah, the last time we spoke, you highlighted the many parallels between the way schools are run. And I don't want to work off of hyperbole, right? But mm -hmm. the way prisons are run, you check in, you have schedules, bells, fences. Mm -hmm. It's, it is a little bit. There's a striking spooky. resemblance. There, yeah, it's kind of spooky sometimes when you step back and look at that. But I'm going to temper that a little bit mm -hmm. with having had many, many conversations with homeschoolers now, something I want to emphasize is that's striking me more and more, everyone is so incredibly different and so incredibly unique. I talked to a gentleman last week who will appear on the show, I think in a couple of weeks here. He loved going to school. He just thrived when he was there and when his parents, so he would go to school for a couple of years, parents would pull him mm -hmm. out, he'd homeschool for a couple of years and it was kind of in and out. And he, he was never bitter about being pulled out of school. But when they put him back to school, he just felt like he came alive. He was around all these people and the energy and the commotion. And I did feel that in public schools as well. But I also really thrived at home. And so I think that individual aspect is so potent and so important. And staying close to your child's needs, I think, will help you choose the right education for the child. And it sounds like for you, truly, homeschool was the right path. Absolutely. It was homeschool for me was the only right path. I I don't know. I mean, I can't, you know, see how my life might have been if I went to public school, but I can't help but think that when you look at the statistics and when you look at the odds, that it would have been a lot different. I might have I might have, pardon the expression, flunked out of high school. I probably wouldn't have graduated. I don't know if I would have, because I know it was hard. Even with the homeschool experience, some things were, were very hard for me. For instance, I struggled a lot with math. I struggled with math. And it was an interesting experience because my father, not being a high school graduate, actually had the responsibility of teaching things to me that he had wow. never learned himself. Wow. Therefore, he had the opportunity to learn along with me. And we both undertook this journey of learning a subject that neither of us were familiar with. So it was difficult at times, but it was an amazing experience. I'm 
truly kind of dumbfounded. So this may be good for some parents who feel inadequate about homeschooling because there's such a heavy emphasis on credentials, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're not a credentialed teacher, you shouldn't be homeschooling. That is so common. But neither of your parents were high school graduates. And well, my t- mother was. My okay, father okay. Was but even so, you're telling me your home experience, you were actively learning mathematical concepts with your father at the same time. You were both being yes. exposed. That yes, is we were, so cool. We were both tackling free algebra at the same point. Things that, <laughs> what? Yes, yes. That and it's it's uh, when I look back on it, it's actually a little, I don't know, unusual. Yeah, but it was an amazing experience. I mean, I would not change it because he got to learn things that he had never learned, and I got to learn things that I had never learned, and we learned together. And that is just something that's only in homeschool. That's something that you can never get in the public school experience. To learn together with your teacher, that's something you can never get because in public school, you are taught to follow what the teacher says and to learn at the teacher's pace, not at your own pace. Or the the system's pace. Yeah, or the system's pace. And the teacher is credentialed and knows everything and you don't know anything, so you're supposed to sit back and learn. But when the teacher can really bring themselves down to your level, it is just an extraordinary, it's an extraordinarily different experience. Well, I, I, I have so many thoughts about what you just said, but I think the strongest one is there is something very heartwarming about hearing your experience, learning math with your dad at the same time. I think there's something incredibly vulnerable about learning that we don't really understand because to learn it's an implicit confession of ignorance that I don't know what's going yes. on. I have to spend time here and learn. And now I'm reflecting on growing up. I know my dad was very good at this too. He read constantly. So I know he was trying to learn, but my mom was such a, an active learner and seeing her be vulnerable and being open to, I don't understand this. I need to dig in more. I think that's rare. It's rare in public schools to have people openly saying, I don't know. I don't understand this. Let's dig in together. And you got to do that at home. Yes, I did. Right alongside my father. We would both not understand something. So we would actively work toward understanding. And that's what we would do in class. We would work to understand something that we'd never even heard of before. And then we would eventually, we would eventually get pretty darn good at it. And we would, uh, we would take tests on it. And then once we felt like we had mastered it, we would move on to something else. I'm, I'm struggling finding thinking of a stronger way to build a familial relationship. I'm sure your father there and isn't you one. are very close through that experience. We are. Yes. Ah, it's so heartwarming. I, I'm just getting like really excited about the chance that you had to do that. Keep in mind that this, this learning experience, essentially going to school yourself on top of a full-time job, so and you're working I mean, during uh, no, no. He oh, your is father's working, working. all that. Yeah, yes, right. a full-time job during all that, and you know, not a desk job. So yeah. it's a very, it's a, it's very strenuous. I'm certain it was very strenuous for him. It wasn't as strenuous for me, but I think that the sacrifices that were made for the sake of a good education and for the sake of doing something that he had not done is really amazing when you yeah. think about. It. When I tell people this, when I tell people this story, they gasp because this is just something that is not very normal. The abnormality of it to me is really quite beautiful. It's very poetic that your dad was so hungry for knowledge and 
willing, be open about, I never learned these things that my son Mm -hmm. is learning now. And then to sit down with you and learn it, it is so heartwarming. I can't tell you enough. Would you say your parents are proud of you? Yes. In what ways? There, there isn't as much of an understanding. I don't think based on the path that I have now, but what they do understand, yes, they are extremely. I feel that from you. I think in our conversation, I'm feeling that you have such a close affinity for your parents. And I I think it's beautiful. Okay, listeners, by now you should know that I love reading. It's one of my favorite pastimes, but there just isn't enough time to read all the books I want. This is when I use Audible. Right now, I am listening to Living from a Place of Surrender by Michael A. Singer. It's a great one to listen to, and it's definitely challenging my worldview. For a free 30-day trial of Audible offered exclusively through the Homeschool Dropout, go to audibletrial.com forward slash the homeschool dropout. That's audibletrial.com forward slash the homeschool dropout. Why don't we switch gears here a little bit to contextualize this next section for the listeners. I found Ezra, I heard of Ezra through genuinely the only podcast I listen to every day. It's the Tom Woods podcast, and it's a very libertarian focused podcast. And so I was listening to that and Ezra was on it. And I thought I got to get this guy on my show. There is a lot of overlap, I think, between libertarianism and homeschooling. I wonder if you can comment on that, Ezra. What are your thoughts in... Or how do you see libertarianism informing homeschoolers? I believe that there is a tremendous amount of overlap. I think that this individualized, personalized experience that you get with homeschooling really ties into the libertarian message in that everyone is different. No one is the same. People have different experiences. People have different goals. People have different things that they are good at, different things that they are not so good at. And the best way that we can contextualize all this is to say, you can learn at your own pace. You still obviously have to live up to certain standards, but we are going to take it easy. We are going to give you an experience that is going to make you a better adult. And not just that, because it's an individualized experience, you get to do you. So I think there is a tremendous amount of overlap with libertarianism. And I think libertarianism absolutely informs homeschoolers. Not all homeschoolers are libertarians, obviously. But (laughs) uh, of course, homeschooling parents are not all libertarian. Parents have varying reasons that they would choose to homeschool. But an awful lot of libertarians are homeschoolers because of the system, quote unquote, of public school just does not respect the individualized nature that education should have. And I think that a lot of libertarians homeschool their children because not only do they want to pass on their beliefs and their value system to their kids, which is admirable in that itself, but they want to teach their children to think for themselves. And that aspect of education has been lost in many aspects. We don't teach children how to think these days. We teach children what to think. And we don't respect the fact that people are different. People are going to develop their own ideas. They're going to mature ideologically. People will mature. People will gain their own mindsets and develop their own ideas about things. You don't have to shove one idea or another down their throat. They'll be fine. They'll figure all that stuff out for themselves. The goal of education is to teach them to think so that they can do that. And I think too many times the public education system loses sight of that and tries to teach children what to think 
and not how to think. I could not agree more. I have several thoughts based on what you said. And so I think going back to one of the things you said first was there's a lot of overlap between libertarianism and homeschoolers. And I see that coming in two forms. Like you said, the individual, there is such Mm -hmm. a massive emphasis within. And I guess I should qualify this with a caveat. Not all libertarianism is the same either. There's a lot of branches of libertarianism that do not emphasize this, Mm -hmm. but specifically the philosophies that you and I adhere to, the individual drives everything. Everything is born from the individual as a sole entity. And that is massive in homeschooling. So I see those parallels. And then additionally, maybe libertarians are famous for this, you know, resisting the government and resisting the system and the state and everything. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of libertarian philosophy. And so when you extract your family, your student, your mind, your thoughts from that system, it's implicit that you're saying this entity, this authority no longer has space in my mind, no longer has space in my education path. And so I see those two kind of complementing each other in how we view libertarianism and homeschooling. I guess my last thought there is, I think you're absolutely right. Schools will teach you what to think. And on top of that, the value system you should accompany that with. Here's what you think and here's how you feel about that. And then you can get some professional education where this tells you when to think. If you're a doctor, you think in the hospital. And it's very kind of stonewalled and blockaded by if you don't have credentials in this other space, you are not allowed to comment. I think we're also being taught when to think. Oh, I'm not an expert. I should not Mm -hmm. think about this. Which honestly scares me that people are so willing to abdicate their intellectual ability rapidly, Mm -hmm. easily. It shocks me. Without the proper credentials, you're told that you don't get to comment on certain topics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that is an extremely dangerous mindset to have because often the experts are wrong. (laughs) And if there are no experts with the right ideas to counteract the experts with the wrong ideas, then the wrong ideas will always win. And often the experts with the right ideas aren't experts. Often people that have the correct ideas and the correct notions about one thing or another aren't credentialed at all. And I think this gets into the, which I'll briefly touch on, that we have in this country, and just in general, the world, society today has a very unfortunate lack of natural elites. And we have people that go to college get their degree, and then maybe they go to an Ivy League school, and they will get a large amount of credentials based on one topic or another, but then and only then are they qualified to comment on one issue or another, whether it be economics, whether it be politics, whatever the case may be. And I believe that you do not necessarily need credentials to comment on certain issues. There's the issue of being taken seriously, and then there's the issue of are you enunciating yourself well enough to be taken seriously without credentials? For instance, I'm not in any way an expert on economics, although I did take the class twice, you know, just for the fun of it in high school because it was such an enjoyable class for me. I'm not an expert on economics, but I do comment on economic issues, and I don't have an economics degree. But I feel like if I can enunciate myself in a way that people will understand, I can comment on these issues without credentials. 
Because as long as people understand what I'm saying, it doesn't matter if there's a degree hanging on my wall. And I think we've unfortunately lost sight of that kind of mindset. I love that you're commenting on economic issues. I've seen your Twitter and truthfully, you're you're kind of going for it. You're going after opinions and thoughts and you're expressing yourself. I wish that I had as much philosophical, ideological I think anchoring, grounding that you had when I was your age, I I truly felt like I was swimming in a sea of competing ideas. And I just could not mm-hmm. lock it in. You know, I was like, well, that's a really good point. I don't know what to do with that point. And so I was often very conflicted. I think I spent most of my 20s very conflicted about there are so many ideologies out there. How do I find one that is consistent across the board that I could always sink my hands into. And so for me, I really found that in in kind of the this particular flavor of libertarianism. And I I agree with you as well, the stonewalling, the gatekeeping with just the ability to comment on something and then to meet people where they are. If someone says something, say they're not credentialed or even if they are credentialed and being able to challenge in a an informed way is truly a lost art. It's We've lost sight of that in so many ways. Okay, so here's a question I wanted to pick your brain on. Education in the United States changed drastically in the early 1900s. We have the public schools are being more formalized. We have John Dewey comes along, Dewey Decimal System. He massively altered a lot of the public education system. Mm -hmm. And I suppose I look at this in two ways. I think, okay, I'm not able to say there are no benefits. And I think we have lost something. So... Do you, looking at pre-industrial revolution education to now, do you think we're in a better place or worse place, especially in light of economic progress? What are your thoughts there? This is kind of a mixed bag because obviously pre-industrial revolution, education was not great. In today's time and in today's modern era, people will tell you that the American education system is the best in the world. And my response to that is, if this is the best in the world, I would hate to see the worst. So we have a very bureaucratic system in education. We have teacher unions. We have a lot of entities that get a say in education and in the education of children before the parents. And I see that as a problem. I think in particular, it's an issue when you have a federal agency that attempts to micromanage the education process. And for a long time, I have advocated for the complete and total abolition of the Department of Education. I do not believe that we need a federal entity overseeing the education process because, number one, states can handle this and school districts themselves can handle this. Number two, When you have an entity like that, that is actively micromanaging the process, you are going to have people with their own ideas, their own ideology, and they are going to attempt to foment that ideology onto the education system, onto the students in the education system, and they are going to try to take their ideas and cram it down the throats of students. And we have seen it for decades. I do think my question was kind of a mixed bag there. And I think you you hit on the correct points. Anytime you centralize the control agent Mm -hmm. in a group, you increase the risk for individuals, real persons, to superimpose their values into that control agent. And so when you centralize the education into one 
body, then you have individuals who are able to bring their own ideologies and then disperse it to masses. And I think that's the risk with those larger departments. Myself and you as libertarians understand that centralization, particularly when it comes to government, but really when it comes to anything, is never good. But I think as people who also, not just as libertarians, but as people who also understand that everyone is different and that the education experience should be individualized, centralization is the last way that you're going to accomplish that because you are going to have, like I said, people with their own ideology that don't care that people are different and don't care that people have ideas. They've got ideas and the students are going to hear about it. Yeah. And truthfully, dare I say, they don't want, they don't want the individual to have ideas. And so mm -hmm. I just think there's tremendous power. And I have to be careful here. I could talk about libertarian <laughs> topics with you for a long time. And pulling it back to homeschool, mm -hmm. there is such tremendous power for an individual, for a family to say, hold up, we need to reevaluate this. We need to decide if this is the right decision for A, our family, B, each student. My family did not homeschool all the same. I was going to public school while some siblings were homeschooled. My parents felt like I needed that, that I needed to just get out there a little bit. I was very shy. I was very self-conscious. They, they wanted to challenge me socially. But that was an individual choice to step into kind of a collective learning environment. And it worked out well for me. And I'm really glad I had that. But it, I'm trying to emphasize that personal, I thought about this for my child and my student, and we are going to do this for us and not reverse where we have these top down decisions being made that you highlighted. I have a two pronged question. I'm looking for advice that you might have for new homeschooling families. There's a lot of pandemic homeschoolers out there who through mm -hmm. COVID just felt like this is not going to work anymore. And so their curiosity has led them to homeschooling. So what advice do you have for those families? And then after that, what advice do you have for homeschooled high schoolers, kids that are in their teens? My advice for parents who are going to homeschool their children is very simply this, or currently homeschooling their children now. Don't give up. When the road gets tough, when you feel like maybe this wasn't the right decision, when you feel like maybe your kids would be better off in the public system, when you feel like maybe you're not good enough, you don't know all these things, you're not a good enough teacher, just keep at it. Keep going. Because I guarantee you that your children, when they are grown and when they get out into the world themselves, they are going to thank you for it. And to answer the second part of your question, my advice to homeschooled high schoolers, young teens who either are still being homeschooled in their last years, or they have just recently graduated, is to not forget your roots. Don't forget that experience. Don't take it for granted. Basically, what I'm saying is your parents took a lot of pains to make you a functioning adult and to make you into the person that you will be and already are. Don't ruin it. Don't do something that you're going to regret. Because if you do, then essentially the whole experience was for naught. Make your parents proud. Don't do something that you're going to regret and remember where you came from. I love that. Do you find yourself anchoring in, in your roots? I do, yes. I, I obviously, with the job that I have now, I tend to have 
less of an emphasis on social or social political issues. Obviously, with my ideology, I don't really agree with with some of the things that I was taught, but I feel that the homeschool experience that my parents took great pains to go through and to make me into the adult that that I am today, I feel like that experience helped me to gain very good sense of personal responsibility. And not just that, to gain good societal and cultural values. And I feel like that is something that will stick with me for a long time. That's not something that I'm likely to forget. Well, I'm really excited for you, Ezra. I think that you have enormous aptitude to make a good difference in your communities, Mm -hmm. obviously in the libertarian world, in the homeschooling world, and in your relationships. I think that's tremendous advice for those teens out there to hear. I want listeners to be able to find you. You're active on Twitter. What is your handle on Twitter? At Ezra for Liberty. That's for the number. Okay, so it's at Ezra number four Liberty. And listeners, if you have Twitter, you can go there, follow Ezra. He's very active on that. And then you are the chief editor of the Mises Magazine, but we're not published yet. So what's the situation there? If you would like to support the Liberty Youth Coalition in that of itself, which the magazine is a is a subsidiary of that. If you want to support all of our efforts, the organization and the magazine, you can go to www.givesingo slash spark liberty. Okay, so that's give singo. Uh, www.givesingo slash spark liberty. So spark liberty. Okay, I will link to those in my show notes page. So that's your organization where people can support and listeners can support if they would like to. The organization that I'm currently employed with, yes. And if you want to know more about the mission of the organization, you can go to libertylysium.com. That is the website as of right now. We are working on a new, bigger, better website for the future. But as of right now, that is the website. Okay, great. I will link to both of those in my show notes. And then I think your Twitter is probably the fastest way to get in touch with you personally. Okay, Ezra, I appreciate your time so much. I think you have so much going for you and have a great head on your shoulders. I'm excited to watch you make waves in a kind of a turbulent world we live in. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation and look forward to doing it again in the future, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, we'll look at that. Okay, thanks, Ezra. Take care. Thank you. Hey listeners, if you enjoy the homeschool dropout, the best way to support the show and increase its value to you and other homeschoolers is to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So head there now and we'll see you next week.